Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More, hosted by myself, Renee Shagnon. In today's episode, I sit down with Brian Cabot of Cabot's Ace Hardware Stores, a chain of five stores in Arizona. We'll talk about his business, his time in the home improvement industry, and then we'll have a conversation about the recently updated book, Remarkable Retail, by Stephen Dennis. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thank you for having me. Of course, I'm excited to have you on the have you on the show and just kind of talk about um, this book in a little bit. But before we dive into talking about the book and some of the concepts from it, um, I thought it would be great to just get a little background on you um, and your introduction to the industry. Um, looking at your website, it looks like you guys have been around since 1988, and you started in Michigan. If that's if I read the information correctly, um, but I'd love to just get a little background on you, your business, and kind of the your story. Absolutely. Uh, Cabot's Ace Hardware Stores were actually started back in uh, Michigan by my parents in 1977. They started with a uh, CarQuest Auto Parts store and then added hardware to it in 1988. Uh, We became an Ace Hardware store in 1997 in Michigan. We moved to Arizona in 2005, sold the store in Michigan, and uh, my mom and dad stayed in the business until 2005 nine and then retired and uh, my wife and I have grown the business now to five stores located in the metro Phoenix area and we just added our latest store in the Yuma market in uh, the uh, Fortuna uh, foothills sub uh, uh, suburb Oh, great. But um, was that kind of what drew you guys to move was like, let's take our retail operation and bring it to a new part of the country. And you're just ready for a change from the Midwest to getting somewhere maybe warmer or what kind of led you guys to wanting to to move? Yeah, my mom and dad became interested in Arizona on some uh, winter vacations and uh, saw the economic opportunities that Arizona has here uh, with extreme rapid growth due to an influx of people from uh, California and the Midwest and uh, decided to uh, grow our business out here. That's awesome. And then what would you say is different working from having a, a retail operation in the Midwest to then out in Arizona? Do you notice any big differences in your time in both? Uh, absolutely. We were in Michigan. We were super seasonal. We were in a resort community called St. Helen, Michigan. And uh, in Arizona, we started out in uh, uh, Apache Junction, Arizona. And that is also very, very seasonal. So it's just exact opposite of each other compared from Michigan to to uh, the Phoenix Valley here in Arizona. So we get a big inf- influx of uh, winter visitors, uh, also called snowbirds from uh, typically uh, mid-October to uh, mid-April. So we, we see about a 60% swing in business. So you're, yeah, like you said, you're the opposite. So when you were in Michigan, it was those summer and spring months where you're probably super busy, and now you're on the opposite end of the spectrum. Absolutely. Yeah, so people, you know, a lot of times we get comments that, oh, you're in Arizona, you're not a seasonal, but we absolutely are. When the temperatures reach triple digits, uh, you know, we always like to say that there's more cactuses than people in our market sometimes. So Yeah, I'm sure people are like, just keep me inside and out of the heat. 
Absolutely. Um, so you have multiple operations, and you said it's in the kind of Phoenix area. What are all of them pretty similar? Is that when someone walks into one of the stores, they know it's a Cabot's a you know store, or maybe just tell me a little bit about the operation overall and kind of like the different types of the different maybe types of communities you serve, or the you know just some of the things that maybe make it make each location different or make them similar. Absolutely. So our first store in the in the Phoenix Valley is uh, was Apache Junction. We opened that in 2006, and that serves a community of about 36,000 people in the summertime and about 120,000 people in the wintertime. So a uh, very, very uh, sizable uh, influx of people. Um, our second store that we uh, we bought a True Value store in 2016 at uh, in in uh, East Mesa. Um, that's a much smaller store. Our store in Apache Junction is about 18,000 square feet. Our second store is 5,000 square feet. So um, that is also a very, very seasonal uh, store. Um, our third store is also in Mesa. Um, that is in the what's called the Eastmark Augusta Ranch area. Um, of That would be South Mesa, Southeast Mesa. Uh, that area is seeing an extreme uh, population boom right now. Uh, the Eastmark neighborhood is always ranked with uh, one of the number one areas to live in Arizona. Uh, it's a huge master plan community. That store is uh, 14,000 square feet. It's in an old, what was called fresh and easy grocery chain that was out here from Great Britain. Uh, so that's the Crisman store. Um, that store is not as seasonal as the other two, but it definitely feels uh, seasonal changes. Uh, our, for, our fourth store in Arizona is in the Santan Valley area. We opened that store in November of 2019 to where the Crisman store we opened in October of 17. The Santan Valley store is the same exact building that our Crisman store is in, so it's 14,000 square feet. Santan Valley is um, another huge, booming uh, population area with extreme growth, and we have uh, limited competition out there. The closest Home Depot is about eight miles away, and for, for, for the Phoenix Valley, that's, that's a very long distance to a big box. So we, we don't even have a Walmart or anything else uh, very close to that store at all. So that store is our least seasonal. Um, that store uh, doesn't have but maybe a 10% variance in the summer. So that, that's very, very minimal. And then our fifth store we opened in October of uh, 20. So we opened during COVID in in uh, Fortuna Foothills in Yuma, Arizona. And uh, that's our largest store, which is 20,000 square feet. And uh, we really thought that store would be super seasonal as well. Uh, the market is very similar to our Apache Junction market. But so far, that store has uh, kind of proved me wrong. It's not as seasonal as we thought. So that's fantastic news for us. So how was it? dealing with the pandemic for you all. And then on top of it, you were opening a business during it too. 
Um, I know you could probably we could probably have a whole other episode about that, but um, what was that experience kind of like for you guys? Well, actually, we have a uh, I have a large network of Ace Hardware owners that that uh, you know we all talk to each other, and I know that you've interviewed uh, the Pal Group before. Um, so uh, some of my friends are in, that are in the Pal Group. Uh, they uh, they opened stores during the pandemic as well, and uh, we had some construction slowdowns, and we had some materials that we were you know we were slow to get lighting fixtures, and uh, uh, but we were very fortunate to uh, to receive our, our fixtures in time, and we opened up with about eighty percent of the inventory that that uh, we needed to open. So really, the store felt extremely full even through a pandemic and uh, you know some of the supply shortages that Ace Hardware and all the uh, co-ops are faced with right now. Yeah was it difficult hiring for it or were people looking for jobs and and you know did you were you able to was that a difficulty at all? We have been absolutely fortunate through this uh, th- through the whole pandemic with our staff um, and and the the new uh you know, we call them our red vested heroes that that have found us during the pandemic, and um, we really feel that uh, you know through word of mouth, adver- you know, um, them talking to their friends and neighbors. But opening the, the Yuma store that was brand new to us. It's completely remote; it's three hours away from our corporate office here in the Ma- in Mesa, and so we hired a, a crew down there. We have a uh, a couple Home Depot, uh, former Home Depot team members, and we ha- we have uh, some team members from some other uh, local stores down there that that came on board with us with some awesome retail experience, and we've just been really fortunate to find awesome associates during this. Well, and that's the thing that's so cool and that I think is so great about our industry is that you know you guys are providing. Um, opportunities for employment for people who went through I mean COVID was not easy for a lot of people so have being involved in an industry that is still you know very much relied upon and and was essential throughout the whole pandemic is huge so um yeah we've you know when we started to get concerned about finding um you know, future prospects for associates. We've even recently looked into hiring uh, formerly incarcerated uh, people. And uh, also um, veterans has been a huge labor pool for us to draw from. Um, Highly engaged. um, uh, We have some former uh, uh, law enforcement that's working with us as well. So... um, People that work for the federal government as well, they have to take a mandatory retirement at a certain age. So we found that those people still have what we call a lot of gas in the tank and are, yeah. you know, they want to be in that workforce. So, yeah, we could have a whole podcast just on labor. Um, yeah. But, you know, we're very, very, uh, you know, we have a very positive outlook on, on labor moving forward. Uh, what we found is that we have to be a lot sharper with our, um, uh, payroll, obviously, and and uh, you know we're looking, we're building a four hundred one k for our organization right now, and healthcare, and you know we're competing with some of the largest, most you know the best retail and and uh, 
yeah. large businesses out there, whether it be Amazon or uh, Target, Walmart, Target, Walmart, but. It, but even like Discount Tire and some of the gas station chains are offering unbelievable benefits out there that we have to be prepared to be a great employer. You know, we, yeah. we look for great associates, but we really feel if we're not great ourselves first, we're going to have trouble finding them. Yeah, and that's something that I've, you know, talking to people this past year, and so I'm on the membership side of things, and so as an ACE retailer, you guys are members, um, so you can access our content either on our site if you prefer to do that, or through the ACE Learning Place, but, you know, one of the struggles, I'll talk to people, and they're like, you know, we're short on staff, and we don't have time to train, and, and I, I hear and see where people are coming from, but I also am like, don't go too far without, you know, implementing training in your operation, because, the longer you go without getting people, you know, making sure that someone new knows what they're talking about and is getting those those skills learned or, you know, it's just I, I don't want people to get too far away from training because they think they don't have time, you know. I don't, do you guys do much with training? We actually, we just became a, a, a test chain for Ace Hardware uh, for their labor force optimization project, and that's been a, a huge undertaking for us. We assigned... Uh, one of our long-term associates, uh, one of our leaders, uh, to head up the labor force optimization project. And we've been working closely with Ace Corporate on implementing that in our stores. And that basically goes into areas of uh, uh, people management, uh, labor labor management, and, and into... Uh, receiving and stocking of merchandise and looking at at, at the uh, inefficiencies and ace corporate is also learning from from our efficiency our efficiencies at what we're already doing well that's awesome so you obviously take training and all of that very seriously then absolutely that's something that I, I always love when I hear that from people because I think it's it's easy to to let all of the day-to-day -day stuff become the most important and it is important but you gotta and we'll probably talk about that a little bit talking about the book but it's like you have you can't just be you can't just be kind of skirting along you gotta be great and so it, it takes extra time and energy to do that but it pays off I think in the long run yeah if you if you want highly engaged uh, team members, you really need to invest back into them and show them that they're working um, towards something, not just, yeah. you know, they have to, you know, we have uh, yearly planning for each associate and goal setting and career planning. Um, we, you know, we want to be a great employer first. That's what we explain to them. We know that we're competing with other organizations. So, uh, training is a huge, huge part of what what we're doing going forward. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Amaze book by Shep Hyken. Oh, I, I've heard of Shep Hyken, though. Yeah, Shep Hyken um, wrote a book about Ace Hardware years ago called the Amaze book. We, we try to have all the associates read it, and we find that the associates that, that that read that become highly engaged at what we're trying to do, and that's basically our mantra is be easy to do business with, both uh, on, on the associate side and on our, our guest side. So what do you enjoy the most about being in the home improvement you know, industry as an independent retailer? Um, obviously, it, was, it sounds like it was something you grew up in because your parents were in retail from when you were a kid, but um, what's it been like you know, growing up in it and then continuing in it? What do you, what do you love the most about it, I guess? 
Uh, so for me, it's simple. It's all about people. If you, if, if you like dealing with people, both associates and guests, you know, and, and our suppliers and, you know, and all the, the different people that make our businesses operate, um, this is truly, I mean, it, it's a people business. Um, I, w- I always tell our associates, anything that you buy in our store, you can buy somewhere else. The reason that they, they come to our stores is, is for them. It's for the Red Vested Hero. So, um, yeah, that's what I enjoy about our business every day is, is, is the people part of it. So, um, as a business owner, do you think it's important to continually educate yourself on like what's going on in the industry and in retail? Um, you know, I feel like this was kind of a fun opportunity for me to connect with someone about a topic and really dive into it. But, um, are you someone that likes to stay on top of the different books that are related to the industry or retail in general? And how do you, I guess, stay on top of what's going on? Well, every day I have about six different blogs that come to my email, whether it's the Home Channel News or Hardware Retailing, of course, is my favorite publication um, in our industry. Um, there's also the hardwarenews.com, I believe. is that That's a great blog that goes out. But uh, no, every day we're um, reading something about our industry directly. And then, um, you know, the, there's like Leadership Freak is another... Um, blog that I get. There's just, you know, if you want content, obviously there's no shortage of it. So as far as reading, yeah, I mean, I, I read typically about four books a year is, is, is what I try to do. They're typically usually leadership or, um, uh, you know, business books per se is what I find myself typically going into or, uh, you know, more books about like world geography. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what were maybe we sent you the remarkable retail book and it was actually the second, it was the updated edition and it had only been a year since he had published it. But, um, I thought it was so interesting talking to him. He was like, you know, we published the book. It came out a couple months later. I mean, retail just, it, it, the things that he talked about initially really took off. And so he felt it only made sense to update it and include a section that talked about, you know, the post COVID economy. Um, but what were, maybe before we dive into some other questions, what were kind of your overall thoughts on the book? Um, I know you were able to read it on vacation, so hopefully it was a fun read for you while you were away for a little bit, but, um, what did you kind of think of it? And, um, were there any things that stood out to you that you ha- hadn't thought about or, or it was like a, like an aha moment type thing? Well, I, I think the biggest thing I took away from it was all the misinformation that's out there about re- about retail is, uh, that, you know, retail, you know, brick and mortar retail is not dying. It, it, it's a big fallacy. Brick and brick and mortar retail, um, just home improvement alone is up 33%. You know, obviously that you know that COVID created a major shift in in you know in in our businesses, and uh, you know back in I remember sitting in my office back in March of 2020 and and watching sales start to die, and it was very scary. And then the stimulus came out, and it was like a light switch, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, it was just amazing to watch what happened uh, in our industry. And, and I think what it really showed, you know, when they deemed our, our business as essential, 
and and they drew a line into who was essential and who wasn't. And not only that, um, if the people that were told they were not essential, but they kept going anyway, anyway and they pivoted. Um, I know a lot of those businesses that were told they had to shut down and they pivoted, got creative, and they had a fantastic 2020 as well. Um, so I really think, you know, the old saying, when the going gets tough, the, the tough get going, uh, yeah. that was really, that showed its true colors in 2020. So, you know, we've been having meetings with all of our associates just to basically say, Thank you for 2020 because everybody was being told to shelter in place, stay home. Our people ran to their jobs every day and put up with people that were not happy and were scared and and were you know you couldn't win with the masks. But um, that was my big takeaway from the book was that um, essential essential businesses made it through this. Yeah, you know. It, um, stimulus money only kept businesses going for a little while. Uh, you know, if a business is if a business is still open today, um, you you can bet that they're probably going to be around for a while now. But w uh, what I really took away f from this book as well was how overgrown or how overbuilt retail was. Um, how many Sears did we need? Yeah, and and Sears didn't manage. They didn't manage how to shrink the company. It's really sad to see what happened to that. And, um, you know, a lot of brands, you know, like Pier 1 and, uh, you know, did different brands were just highly diluted. Um, they suffered from overgrowth, and uh, they they just didn't have viable business businesses that would uh, that would make it through something like this. Yeah, I thought it was really cool too talking to Steve since he does have, you know, background working for like Sears and Neiman Marcus and hearing his, his perspective on, you know, some of the things that were going on with it. And I even mentioned to him in the podcast I did with him was a couple of years ago, I did research for a story and didn't end up writing it. But, you know, Sears back in the day was what Amazon is today. Um, you know, and when you think about it, they had the catalogs and that's what the, what, what the internet is now. So it's just, it's just interesting because retail is so cyclical and things change over time. And someone, you know, this, this big giant in the industry, you know, Sears was unstoppable for so long. So it was just kind of, it was fascinating to hear about that and kind of talk to him about Sears in general too, a little bit. And it's sad that, I mean, they're still, they still exist, but it's. I don't know. It's that that business has definitely uh, gone in the opposite direction. But I I wrote a letter to my staff when COVID um, back in uh, April, when there was a lot of uncertainty with our staff of Hey, are we going to be open or are we going to make it? How, you know, how are we doing? Uh, you know, just a lot of fear that we wanted to dispel. So I wrote a letter to the staff, basically explaining to them the history of a hardware store in in this in this world it, um, when they built our country you know the first thing that was built typically in a community was the mercantile you know yeah. the mercantile and the bar so i mean the, those are the two things that were built uh you know was the saloon and the mercantile and uh you want to, uh, you know essential today i mean this this has shown us really i this gave us a whole new belief in our business model and uh, 
you know, it, it's definitely made us uh, adopt the, you know, the online retail aspect, the, the dot-com portion, you know, and luckily, fortunately, Ace has been way ahead of this um, for quite some time. So we, we saw our online transactions skyrocket through this. And thankfully, we'd already kind of pivoted to uh, having a fleet of delivery trucks in our organization and um, having areas in our store designated to buy online, pick up in store, and uh, buy online, deliver from store. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, w with the guidance of, of Ace Corporate um, and fellow retailers that, that have adopted this, we were ready for it. The first line in the first chapter of the book is retail isn't dead, boring retail is. I really loved that point and I thought it was quick to the point and in many ways sums up kind of what he's trying to say in this book. Um, what are your thoughts on that kind of statement that retail isn't dead, boring retail is? Well, what I took away is physical stores are not going away. There's just going to be there's going to be fewer of them, and I think what we've seen is with Home Depot and Lowe's not building the amount. I mean, they haven't built a store in Arizona. Knock on wood. Um, God, I want to say ten years. So um, ho hopefully that trend continues because you know if if you want to shop at a Home Depot in Arizona, you're going to find one. So you know. I don't. I think they've realized that they don't need to keep expanding, and that same store sales matter. And I think you're you're going to see that with tractor supply now that you, they won't be expanding as much, and that they're gonna they're gonna want those same store sales to show the their their shareholders that um, they don't need more stores. They just need you know the same store sales just 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 like what we're doing. He also talks a lot in the book about, you know, and we've already mentioned this a little bit, but he talks about brick and mortar and that it's not going anywhere. And he also talks about e-commerce. And I think for a long time, it was always like they were kind of siloed. It was like brick and mortar and then e-commerce. Um, but now I really think it's just every business needs, you need both in order to, to be an outstanding or remarkable retailer. But what are your kind of thoughts on, on the brick and mortar and e-commerce, you know, aspects of, of retail today? And um, maybe what do you think of it like re related to our industry? Cause that is one area where I think sometimes um, as far as the e-commerce side for some, some retailers, I, I don't think that that's been a focus still. And I, you know, of course, brick and mortar is huge, but I don't know if people are going to have to start, you know, if they haven't really done much with e-commerce, I feel like, the next five to 10 years, that's going to be key for those that haven't. Yeah, I feel we're going to be around 30% of our, of our income is going to come from online in the future. I really, I really feel that that, I mean, if you haven't adopted e-commerce in your business, I, I feel that you're, you're in danger of, I mean, if you're happy with your current profits um, and you're not ado adopting it, I just think that you're leaving a lot of meat on the bone. And I liked what you said about the fact that you guys had already been, um, you know, adding the buy online, pick up in store. It, you had sections in your in your operation already designated for that. And I think that for some retailers, the pandemic forced them to figure out, okay, can we do curbside? Can we, what are some other things we can start implementing in our operation? And some of the retailers I've talked to who, who did those things out of, you know, necessity are now, it's now a, a um, something that a service that they provide it's something that's just built into their business and they might not have done it as quickly if they hadn't had kind of the fire 
under them to figure something out. Um, so I don't know if you have thoughts on that also. I mean, because I don't know if you've talked to anyone who's who implemented some of those things like what you've already been doing. But Well, I, I, I feel that the line... The, the line between digital and, and physical shopping completely blurred now. So pe people want a fully integrated shopping experience. They, they, they want to be able to shop it online and, and have that, and, and they want to know if it's in the store. They want to know if it's in the store right now. And, you know, that gets down to having your inventory counts correct and making sure that you have what they want it now. This is a you know this is a society that that definitely wants it right now. So one, part of the book was he breaks down the eight essentials of remarkable retail, and I can just kind of say those uh, really quick. I'll just list out how he how he named them. Um, it was digitally enabled, uh, human centered, harmonized, which is you know looking at omnichannel, uh, mobile personal, connected, memorable, and radical. Um, you know, and he kind of has, I have little definitions here. I could always read back through those, but I don't know if were any of those things, um, any of those eight essentials he mentions throughout the book, did any of those speak to you? And, um, you know, are some of those things that you might already be doing or are there any that you, that you, after reading about it, go, oh, I, I definitely want to work on, you know, maybe this aspect of, of the essentials he lists? Well, the number one thing that he mentioned before he got into the eight essentials was he, he said, you, you need to know what you're selling. Yeah. So, you know, it's like what I just said about telling our associates, they can buy whatever we sell anywhere. What we sell is customer service. And we sell an experience of a human interaction uh, in person. Um, I mean, let's face it. If you want to learn how to do a home improvement uh, project, all you have to do is go to YouTube, or you can go, or you can go to TikTok, or, or you, you know, you can go to Instagram. And there's people doing home improvement projects on there, and you can learn how to fix the toilet by yourself online. So. You know, again, what do they need the Red Vested Hero for? They need it for to find out where that merchandise is and to reconfirm what they're already planning on, on doing, what they've learned or what they think they've learned on YouTube. Did, did any of these, um, the essentials speak to you? I don't know. Like, so for digitally enabled, he goes, digital isn't always first and it isn't always better, but it's the key is to enable, augment, and enhance the customer journey. So we talked about how, I guess I see that as like having a good website or good social media presence and different things that lead your your customers to your store. Um, I think human-centered, obviously, our industry is, that's, that's one of the things we've been great at for years um, and making sure that you're bringing retail, I like he says, delivering retail with a soul, um, which what you find at, at a Cabot's Ace that you wouldn't find clicking on Amazon.com. You know, so some of these different things, I don't know if any of them necessarily were something that spoke to you or was just extra confirmation of what you've already been doing. Well, actually, all of them. I mean, I, I, I wrote down notes on, on all of them. Um, sure. The human-centered the human the, the human part is, you know, if I talk to a retailer who's struggling right now and they say, you know, that they're having trouble getting, getting staff, I mean, I very bluntly tell them you might want to take a look in the mirror and make sure that you're a great place to work and are you a good person to work with. 
because if, you, if you're not, you're going to have trouble recruiting. Um, harmonized uh, was, was the third one that he had. That was the, the, the balance of the physical and di- digital shopping experience. So um, uh, to, you know, the next one was embrace mobile capabilities. And like in our store, all of our associates are able to use the ACE retailer mobile app which gives them a lot more information. Um, it gives them the point of sale in their hand, basically, to be able to go around and, and really look at inventory. And exp- you know, We feel that letting our associates, it used to be a rule not to let associates use cell phones. We've thrown that out the window. Um, they're going to use it anyway. If they're, yeah. You might as well just let them use it. And I know a lot of retailers will disagree with this, but we just, you know, we've decided to let them use it and to, to try and regulate it the best we can. Um, uh, so the next one was make it personal. Uh, I feel we've done a good job with the ACE Rewards Program. And, you know, how can you beat when you walk in and a cashier knows your name or the floor associate knows, knows that person and they're not even a contractor, they're just in there once a week and, and they know their name. You know, it's like going to the local saloon, you know, like the old Cheers tagline. Yeah, wouldn't you like to go where everybody, absolutely. So, you know, it's like, you know, going to your favorite barbershop. A hard, you know, that's what a hardware store, a hardware store definitely makes it personal. Uh, The connected, he had, uh, make sure you're connected. So yeah, social media, um, we're really looking into TikTok right now. That's great. You're the, actually the first retailer I've talked to that's talked about it. And I think if people don't start looking at areas like that, you're going to miss out on a whole segment, especially Gen Z and even some millennials. But Oh, you'd be surprised. Even baby boomers are on TikTok. All you got to do is go to TikTok and search Ace Hardware Associate. Yeah. And, and you'd be surprised with some of these associates, how talented they are at what they're posting in your store. <laughs> they're, they're doing it while they're at work. And, uh, you know, it's all about leverage and, and getting, uh, you know, getting faces on your business. Um, also, we, we embrace uh, digitally the uh, surveys that are on the bottom of our receipts um, for reviews and, um, you know, making sure that you're connected to your, if you're not leveraging your Google homepage and, and uh, your Google search, that is one of our, our biggest uh, things that we really focus on is that Google search. Uh, if, if you don't get your monthly statistics on your Google, you're really missing out on some vital information specifically about your business. So not to take up too much of your time on that, but how can someone, if they're listening to this and they're going, I don't think I've even touched that, do they just need to go into like Google business or how do they, how do they even get started with that? Oh, believe me, Google will help you claim your business and embrace it. Um, we use a third party for all of our social media so that, so that we don't have any, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to sit and, and re- respond to every review out there. Um, plus it takes the emotion out of it to have a third party do it. Um, you know, as long as you, as long as you're inspecting what you expect and, uh, you know, you're watching those reviews yourself as well. But, um, uh, Instagram and TikTok are, are um, your big social areas, right? Absolutely. Now. Um, Facebook, obviously. Um, 
But yeah, Google is, is something I don't hear a lot of retailers talk about, and it's huge. Absolutely huge. But yeah, Google will help you get that information on your, on, on your website. Okay, great. The next one I had was uh, Be Memorable. And that, you know, you really got to walk into your stores with an open mind and, and take a look at what, what is memorable about your stores. Is it the smell of popcorn? Uh, we have one store that's got a huge saltwater fish tank in it. Um, and uh, it's shaped like a toolbox. And, uh, I mean, people come in just to see the fish. But, um, you know, as far as being memorable, I, I think hire, hiring the right associates, if you have the right people in your business, I think everything else takes care of itself. Be, because, it, you know, it, you know I, I like to just kind of sit and hide in a store and watch my associates work. And it, it is amazing, especially during COVID, what, what our average associate puts up with on a daily basis. And, and I mean how they care about our businesses, I, I, think it, I think it's undervalued. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the, the next, the final one was uh, to be radical. And how we're radical in our, our chain is our return policy is uh, we empower our employees to basically handle our return policy. We, I mean, we typically, we turn down very, very few returns. At, at, you know, we'll return a garden hose that's five years old, even if it's, you know, the El Cheapo that doesn't have a lifetime warranty. We'll take care of that because we look at the value of, of a customer being about $15,000. Yeah. And, you know, the, the old variable was 5000 but we, we look at it now as 15000 That's the thing is when you don't, it, when you're not willing to make it work, sometimes those those impressions can really stick with a customer, unfortunately. Yeah, we basically ask all of our staff to live the golden rule. And the golden rule is basically treat people how you want to be treated. And we keep a very close eye on associates and make sure that they're treating people how they should be treated. Considering the pandemic, what, what are your thoughts on how retailers in the industry can continue to, you know, really be remarkable? And um, I don't know if it's necessarily looking at some of those essentials that we were just going through, but what are some things that you think retailers can be doing after everything we've kind of gone through this past year? Well, I think, you know, if you're with a co-op, they offer a million tools to assess, to, to assess your business and really take a look and, and make sure... Um, to summarize it, if you're a retailer right now, you should be working on your business, not in it. Or there should there, there should be a balance of working in, in the business and on the business. Um, and there's a big difference um, to making sure that, you, you know, you're showing your staff that you're working on their job to make it better. You know, if, if you're in the aisle selling nuts and bolts with your folks all day, every day, that doesn't give you time to make that, that business the best it can be. So after reading the book, would you recommend other retailers check it out? Or are there any other books or podcasts or videos that, you know, in addition or maybe outside of this as well that you'd recommend? Yeah, there's a great book by Jeff Colvin called Humans Are Underrated. And that talks about basically what our children are going to need to be successful in, in their generation um, with all the automation that, that that's in the pipeline that, you know, it's like a freight train. It's automation's coming. Um, the number one thing was empathy. 
So I, I think if you know we can be empathetic and teach empathy in our businesses, I think we can't go wrong. Uh, would I recommend other books out there? Absolutely. I mean, there's you know it's always funny. One book will lead you to another book. You know, typically, um, or you know, if you if you adopt an author that that you really like, but uh, any of the Ken Blanchard, Spencer Johnson books that are out there, those are all all fantastic business books. My my favorite business book is uh, E Myth. Uh, it's about the entrepreneurial myth. Uh, that that's probably my 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 favorite book out there. Um, I really like uh, a good philosophical book is how, is, uh, how to Think and Grow Rich. And I, I, I think that book is going to be pretty relevant, or relevant uh, in the upcoming years. Well, I really had such a good time, uh, you know, going through and reading this. I know we didn't, didn't get too into the nitty gritty, but um, if anyone is interested, you can find it on Amazon or go to your local independent bookstore and you can find it there. Um, but are there any, you know, maybe last takeaways or thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners, either about your business or the book in general? Yeah, he has a great quote in the book and that's don't believe the retail apocalypse hype machine. If you are doing the correct things at retail and you're doing your homework, I feel this is a great time to, to be in the home improvement industry. I agree. I think, I think people that are in it now, and we just actually got off of, um, this will come out after, but um, we just had our Young Retailer of the Year Award uh, ceremony, and it's always great getting to see what amazing things are happening in the industry. And I think sometimes it's easy to focus on the negative, but there are so many positives and so many innovative retailers out there right now, and our industry is just I think our industry is just bound to continue thriving. People just have to keep looking for ways to grow and, and um, you know, making those changes. I think I think we're moving in, in positive directions for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, again, I just want to thank you for coming on today. And um, we just really enjoyed having you on the podcast. All right. Thank you very much. Of course. Of course.